Welcome. So this is the first podcast on motivation. I've actually split the podcast into two parts as there's so much to explore. First, you'll get a chance to reflect as part of this podcast on those things that demotivate you at work. But don't worry, you'll also consider the motivating factors too. And I'll also introduce some theories around motivation and you can decide which of those works best for you should you need to further motivate your team. Then, In part two of the podcast, you'll get a chance to formulate ways to motivate others. And then what I'll also do is keep it real by sharing some workplace situations that you'll 100% be able to relate to. So let me start by asking, what even is motivation? It's probably fair to say you know when you've got it and you know when you don't. But if you were to dig out a dictionary, you'd find it's defined as stirring to action or providing another person with a motive, an impulse or a reason to do something. And guess what? As their manager, you're going to be best placed to create the conditions in which people can get motivated and, of course, reach their full potential. So let's start and let me begin by asking you a question. What demotivates you at work? So take time out now and go make a list. This is completely personal, so so don't worry about thinking about getting anything right or wrong. Just dig deep and come up with as much as you possibly can, and I'll see you again in just a moment. Welcome back. I hope that didn't put you too much on a downer. I'll reveal the purpose of why you did that in a moment, but before doing so, let's lighten the mood. So take a moment now and think about what motivates you in the workplace. Now, sometimes when I'm delivering this particular exercise as part of face-to-face training, I get pushback around, well, hold on a minute, Tom, what's the point of this? Because I can just it's just basically the opposite of all the demotivators. Well, not necessarily. So dig deep in this one. What motivates you in the workplace? Okay, welcome back. I'm going to assume that you've completed that. Now, let me ask you a question. What if I was to wave a magic wand and your entire team or department joined us right here, right now, and I asked them to do the exact same exercise? How radically different do you think their responses would be? Now, I'm going to assume you said, not very, and you'd be absolutely right. And the reason they asked you to complete that exercise was to highlight a quick win. Do what you can to create and establish the conditions listed in your these are the motivators for me and mitigate those that demotivate you and you're already setting the scene for an environment conducive to getting people fired up. Yeah, sure, some of those things will be easier than others, but leadership is about rising to the challenge, getting creative, doing things differently. Your commitment, dedication and perseverance into doing what matters will be the difference as to how others see you as both role model and inspirational leader. Now, don't take my word for it. Go Google the work of psychologist Frederick Herzberg on motivation. His research, which dates back to the 60s, but actually is still relevant today, identified six key areas within the workspace that he argues creates motivation for others. They are achievement, recognition, the work itself, responsibility, the opportunity for advancement, and personal growth. But he also highlights areas that create dissatisfaction, which are burdensome bureaucracy, so that's policies and procedures that hinder rather than help, workplace relationships, be that with your boss or others, work conditions, so that's the environment within which you work, your status, your salary, and your job security. All these things could be classed as demotivators, but they're described by Herzberg as areas of dissatisfaction. Why is that? 
Because as leader, you may be able to change some of those just mentioned, but all that will happen is that someone at best will be satisfied or at worst simply become just a little less dissatisfied. They're not actually the things that create motivation. For that, it's all about setting those earlier conditions I mentioned. Achievement, recognition, the work itself, responsibility, opportunity for advancement, and a sense of personal growth. So, you know, the opportunity to learn new things. Now, there's also the work done by Douglas McGregor into motivation, which he called XY theory. In brief, the X in the theory assumes that employees are inherently lazy and unmotivated, needing strict supervision and control to perform well. On the other hand, the Y suggests employees are self-motivated and enjoy taking on responsibilities. Now, McGregor's research highlights that the way managers perceive their employees influences their approach to motivation. So where do you lean? X or Y? In today's world, where employee empowerment and autonomy are increasingly valued, theory Y is more applicable. By trusting and empowering your people, you as leader are going to be able to tap into your people's intrinsic motivations and foster a positive work environment. And guess what? The benefits? Well, it encourages creativity, engagement and a sense of ownership, which unsurprisingly leads to higher job satisfaction and productivity. Plus... This approach aligns with contemporary management practices, those being collaboration, flexible working arrangements and a supportive organisational culture. Now, as we're on a roll with the theory around motivation, let's not stop there. Recent research from New York author Daniel Pink, and by the way, I'd highly recommend you read his book. It's called Drive. And uh, also take a look at his TED Talk on YouTube as well. Uh, it's called The Puzzle of Motivation. His relatively recent research from 2009 identified three intrinsic elements to motivation, autonomy, mastery and purpose. So let's explore those three areas in more depth and then you can look at how you might be able to introduce them into your world. So let me start by asking you a question. At times, how much do you like being able to do what you like, when you like, however you like? I already know the answer to this because Daniel Pink has already done his extensive research. I'm willing to bet the chances are high that you said yes to that. So here again is a pretty quick win for you. Think about the workplace. Knowing now that the desire for autonomy is a universal human trait, what is it you can do to offer autonomy to others while, of course, balancing the risk? Take a moment to pause. Think about it. What opportunities present themselves when you think of your team? Now, the second motivating factor identified was mastery. What we're talking about here is the human desire to feel as if we're moving forward, growing, expanding, becoming bigger and better. Let me see if I can bring this to life. Have you got a hobby? Something that you go back to over and over, perhaps on a weekly basis, maybe even more regularly than that. Don't worry if you can't think of anything. The principle of what I'm about to share, you'll still be able to relate to. Let's say, for example, you play the guitar. Will your guitar playing ever pay the mortgage and put food on your plate? For many people, it's probably a no. Amazing, by the way, if it's a yes. Now, I'm going to assume you answered a no, but the thing is, you keep going back to your hobby over and over. Why is that? Well, Daniel Pink's research identified that we all have this intrinsic desire to feel as if we're growing, becoming bigger and better at stuff, even when there's no reward other than that of the satisfaction that we're improving in some way. So how does knowing this help us as leaders? 
oh, this is a great example of why getting to know your people is so crucial. Remember the model I talked about when we began this leadership podcast? It was uh, from podcast number one, Avolio Ambassador's Transformational Leadership. I introduced the four I's, the first two of which were individual consideration and intellectual stimulation. I think the example I shared was through getting to know your team members, you discovered someone loves to edit videos outside of work. And I made up a scenario whereby a project or initiative came your way and elements required delegating. And a part of which was video creating and editing and through knowing that, And through knowing you've an individual in your team who gets pleasure out of this as a hobby, you've now got an opportunity to really motivate them. Chances are too, if you can get this right, to them, it's an opportunity to simply do something they love. And there's a chance it won't feel like work. So take a moment to think what opportunities you have got right now to inspire someone motivationally through stimulating them with a task that's close to their heart. The final element is purpose. Assisting your team members to find purpose in the work they do, inspiring them to believe that they are part of a cause that's bigger than themselves. Have you ever in your working career ever felt like what you've been tasked to do has kept you busy, but that was it? You just felt busy. You'd not really been able to see why you were doing what you were doing. A sense of being just a number or another employee doing stuff for the sake of it. And while you could perhaps see the importance of what you did, you were unable to see the difference it made in the grand scheme of things. That's what we're talking about here. Now, depending upon where you work and the role your team members play, I'll admit this isn't always an easy one as a leader to do. This again links into the transformational leadership fourth eye, idealised influence, you being the role model, ensuring others can see the bigger picture, the grand vision, where they fit in and the difference that what they're being tasked to do is making, be that to the customer, clients, stakeholders, wider business, environment, the world. It's about providing them with meaningful work setting direction and inspiring them. Does your team know the grand vision and their role in achieving it? What's the evidence for that? Where's the room for improvement in what you are doing as leader? Hold on though, we've missed something. One area we haven't covered and may well be playing on your mind as you listen to this right now. What about money? I totally appreciate that money too can be a key motivator. And while there's plenty of research that suggests it's not necessarily a primary motivator for everyone, the bottom line is we all need it. And let's not shy away from the fact that it's not also nice to have wonderful things, go to great restaurants, do fun things with family and friends and buy stuff. As shallow and materialistic as that might sound. But let me quickly have some fun with this. Firstly, I'll provide some context, then I'm going to give you two options. Here's the scenario. This is the only job you'll ever have for the rest of your life. There are no other jobs available to you. There's no side hustle, no secret trust fund. This is it till the day you retire. So you've got two options, option A and option B. Option A, I'll pay you £100,000 a year and you'll be a toll booth operator. That means you'll go to work nine to five every single day. You'll sit in a small compartment and you'll give a ticket to each car that goes across a bridge. You do the same thing with the next car and every single other car that goes across that bridge. That's it. That's all you'll ever do for the rest of your life. But I will pay you £100,000 a year. Option B, you'll be an architect and I'll pay you £80,000 a year. If you had to choose one, if you had to, which option would you go with? Now, typically, most people go with option B. Now, there's no shame if you went with option A, okay? So don't feel bad. Um, 
typically, you know, people yeah, go with option B. So why is that? Well, clearly, individual preferences and priorities may vary. Some people may prioritise financial stability or have different motivations and preferences. But people tend to gravitate towards the latter for several reasons. People have a natural desire to engage in meaningful work, seek personal fulfilment and express their creativity. And while money is important, people also value non-financial factors as well. Work-life balance, personal development, job satisfaction. You know, these things provide a sense of fulfilment and enjoyment in the role that they have. Uh, and one that offers creativity and freedom is, is a powerful one. Food for thought. Okay, so let's wrap up podcast number one on motivation with some additional approaches that you as leader can tap into to reignite a team member's passion. So number one, go out of your way to seek input and gain other people's insights and opinions. That way, they'll feel more involved and valued and it feels as if they have a voice as well. Number two, tap into the resources available to offer self-development opportunities. That could be through training, coaching, mentoring, a qualification, or perhaps even a secondment. Another one that often gets forgotten is the celebrating of successes, big or small, individual or team-based, and get creative as leader. Look out for ways to keep things fun. And finally, encourage others to look after themselves. Provide a space for team members to take time out and recharge. Remember, your success comes through your team. So if they feel good about themselves, are operating in optimum condition, be that mentally, emotionally and physically, then chances are you'll be getting better results from them too. Think about it. When you're tired and exhausted, how much fun are you to be around? Probably not much. And typically when you're feeling that way, are people getting the best from you? Okay. Right. In part two of this motivation podcast, we're going to be taking what we've covered here and use it to motivate different people that we'll find in the workplace. All will be revealed. I'll see you there.